Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. My company needed to make a change to our commission structure in order to remain competitive in the marketplace. The result was I took a 40% pay cut. And that's when I realized I'm actually not in control of my income. I thought, oh, I'm a sales guy. I get to control my income. Nope, because I don't control my quota. I don't control the commission rates. I have zero say over what my territory is. And that's when it just became so clear. Uh, I really needed to, to make a change. Welcome to Beyond the Rut, the podcast about helping you pursue and achieve your dreams without compromising your faith, your family, or your health. I'm your host, Jerry Dugan. And in just a moment, we're going to be joined by the host of a show that I like because it goes in, in line with a book that I also like, The One Thing. Now, if you've ever heard of the 80-20 rule or the Pareto principle, you'll like this because The One Thing takes the 80-20 rule and puts it on steroids on top of steroids so that you come to the point of what is that one thing that by doing that makes all the other things either not as important or easier to accomplish. So Jeff Woods, from the podcast, The One Thing, is going to join me, and we're just going to talk. I mean, that's what we do on all these episodes is talk. But we're going to talk about the power of that principle, the 80-20 rule, but more specifically, putting it on steroids to do the one thing, to take your life to another level. And when you do that, you are pursuing and achieving the dreams that you have on your heart. So sit back and relax, unless you're being chased by hacker jackers, uh, I think that's the right thing. The, the the wasps in the Hunger Games. If you're being chased by those, I don't know what you're doing in the Hunger Games, but you're probably having a bad dream in that case. But run, get into some water, and keep listening to this show. Here we go. All right. Hey, Jeff, thanks for calling in from Denver, Colorado. How are you doing today? Delightful, Jerry. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Awesome. Actually, a good friend of mine is flying to Denver right now as we speak. So um, now, of course, by the time this episode airs, she'll already be back in Texas. But just had to get that little shout out randomly in there. there. (laughs) Now, uh, I'm glad we got introduced by uh, Jim Kreider, who also has been a guest on this show and said, hey, have you ever heard of Jeff Woods from The One Thing? And my mouth dropped. I'm like, "Um, yeah, Uh, our team I used to work on at, at another healthcare company we actually used that program in our leadership mm. development course, uh, actually our mentorship program. And uh, there was like a free download. We were able to augment the books that we bought from y'all. And uh, and I was like, yeah, I, I have heard of the guy. I know the guy. Oh, not know him, but you know, heard of you. So I'm glad he connected us. Uh, Jim, thank you so much for the connection. And Jeff, thanks for making the time to jump on here. Uh, so for folks who don't know, the one thing is really about, you know, what is that one thing that by doing it uh, makes kind of all the other stuff not as important or already taken care of? Um, and we'll, we'll dive a little bit deeper into that. Uh, but I want to get a little bit more into your story, Jeff, um, sure. because before you were the, the guy running the show there for the training arm of the one thing, uh, you had a very lucrative career, it sounded like. And tell us about yeah. that and what made you decide, I'm going to hang this up and go be an entrepreneur. Sure. So prior to co-founding this company, I was in medical device sales. Awesome job. Oh, yeah. I ran through hospitals every day. I sold a device that actually saved lives. Yet I was at this position where even though things were good, I mean, really good, I was lacking fulfillment. And I think a lot of, the, for you who's listening to this, you probably know what that feels like, knowing that you're meant for more. And for me, 
growth is my number one core value. It is the single thing that drives me more than anything else. And experiencing that gap of living below my potential, not even coming close to it was legitimately painful. The problem was I had golden handcuffs on and I've got a, I've got a, a brand new family. I've got respond. I've got a mortgage. I've got responsibilities yet. I have this dream dream of one day owning a business that would make a massive impact in the world and deliver real security for my family. Two things happened that set me on the journey. First, a colleague of mine had a stroke. And at the time, Jerry, he was just 35 years old. Mm. And I remember standing in my kitchen, wondering if what happened to my colleague had happened to me, what would happen to my family? My wife and I had just bought a house in Orange County. We just had our first child and she became a stay-at-home mom. The very next week, my company needed to make a change to our commission structure in order to remain competitive in the marketplace. The result was I took a 40% pay cut. Now, uh, the problem was my comp plan was still so good. It was still one of the best comp plans in the industry, even post change. I still couldn't go anywhere else. And that's when I realized I'm actually not in control of my income. I thought, oh, I'm a sales guy. I get to control my income. Nope, because I don't control my quota. I don't control the commission rates. I have zero say over what my territory is. And that's when it just became so clear. Uh, I really needed to, to make a change. That's when I was introduced to the Jim Rohn quote, that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And I did something, well, a lot of people have probably heard that quote. I did something they probably haven't done. I actually took out a pen and a piece of paper and wrote down who those five people were. Oh man. And when I looked at the list, I was overwhelmed with gratitude because it was the names of five amazing friends. And that was the light bulb moment. I have five amazing friends, but I don't have any amazing mentors. I am not surrounded by anyone who is living the kind of life that I want to be living. And if you become who you surround yourself with, then I will never become who I want to become because I am not surrounded by those people. And that became my one thing. How can I, to, to find the right mentors who could help me figure out how to eventually go from employee to entrepreneur. I launched a podcast called The Mentee. I was the mentee, pressing record on private conversations with my mentors. And a few weeks after I launched that show was our national sales meeting. I walk into this ballroom, about 1,500 chairs. And on every single chair, Jerry, was a copy of The One Thing. I'd never heard of it. <laughs> and Jay Papazan, who co-authored The One Thing with Gary Keller, yeah. walks out on stage as the keynote. And for the next hour, he starts talking about why The One Thing is the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. And how Gary Keller lived these principles to turn Keller Williams from a small little real estate company to number one in the world with 200,000 plus people. And the whole time I'm sitting in the, in, the, in the audience going, holy smokes, what would my life look like if a guy like Gary or a guy like Jay were one of my five? But of course I think, well, that'll never happen. And then when Jay finished speaking, he gets a standing ovation. And when everybody in the room sat down, I found myself standing. Jerry, you ever had one of those moments where your mind is telling you to do one thing, but your heart's pulling you in another direction? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It, that, this was one of those moments. My mind is saying, Jeff, just sit down. But there was something <laughs> deep inside me that was like, dude, you need to literally run and be the first person to talk to him. I had no idea what I would say, had no idea how I might be able to bring value to him, what I could say to get him to be interested in me or what I could give him to make him spending time with me worth his time. But before you know it, I am running down the ballroom. And I intercepted Jay. And that began a conversation. Uh, what I was unaware of was that the one thing had already become one of the highest rated business books of all time. 
And that presented a problem because they knew it should become a company. But Gary's one thing is running Keller Williams. Jay's one thing is writing books with Gary. They had already been hunting for somebody whose one thing would be the one thing. And that ended up becoming my opportunity. So November 1st, 2015, I moved my family from Southern California to Austin, Texas. And Gary, Jay, and I co-founded this company. And we have just been on a tear ever since. Wow. Yeah, man. I, I was just blown away also by the fact that, because uh, I didn't know this part about that story, was that y- your workplace provided you with the book that gave you the inspiration to get yeah. out of there and follow yeah. this dream. Yeah. That. That's I still amazing. have it right up there with the exact bookmark from our VP of sales saying, I came across this book. Here's how I hope it helps you. And wow. I have Jay, because I got Jay to autograph the book. I have the exact book up there. Wow. You, you boldly make this jump. You, you go for the job. You make the move. Um, at any point, did um, like imposter syndrome start to creep in there? Or <laughs> <laughs> like, how did you handle that? And did your, your wife have any doubts as well? Like, every, I mean, day, every day. Every day. Every <laughs> day. Uh, And this is something that I have discovered surrounding myself with some pretty extraordinary people. We all have it. You're not alone. Every single one of us experiences it. Um, I absolutely had it because I've never been a CEO. I've never started a company. And here I am being entrusted with one of the highest rated business books of all time and asked to bring it to the world. So I absolutely had imposter syndrome there. Um, Launching the One Thing podcast, imposter syndrome. Walking into Fortune 500 companies to deliver keynotes, imposter syndrome. Turning to becoming an advisor to executives of companies of all size from the Fortune 500 down to small business, imposter syndrome, of course, because who am I? But the thing that I have realized is um, I was handed a gift. Gary is a master of models and systems. And it's how he scaled KW. I mean, he is a self-made billionaire as a result. And he handed me those systems on a silver platter. And I had one, th- I had one job, live them. Live them and turn out, figure out how to turn that into a business. And so while they are not my ideas, they are proven models and systems that unleash extraordinary results. And, you know, Every time I've had imposter syndrome and I have taken action, I've proved that I am valid and I am worthy. And we've seen the value that we deliver. It's tremendous. Nice. Nice. And then um, how was your wife at the time about making that leap as well? Like, how did you navigate that? How did she navigate that? Because she obviously followed you. (laughs) Fortunately, we both grew up in Southern California. Mm -hmm. And this will sound crazy to some people. We got sick of 72 degrees and sunny every day, 365 (laughs) days a year. We were ready for a change. And also, you know, living in Orange County, you can make six figures, multiple six figures and still feel broke. And we were sitting there going, look at what we make. How is it that we feel broke? How is that possible? And realizing we're never going to truly build wealth in Southern California at that stage in our life. So we were open to the idea of a move. And when I had the call with Jay about the opportunity, I literally walked into the house and said, I just had a phone call. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we moved to Texas. And she literally just said, "Um, just tell me when to pack. Wow. And she was kind of kidding, but she was excited about the opportunity to move to Austin. And little did I realize how big a deal no state income tax is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a beauty, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Moving from 13 and a half percent to zero, it's material. Yeah. So 
you, you take the time to make this. I mean, no, you didn't take the time. You, you attended the session. You, you make this leap, this decision first, then the leap. Uh, I guess the decision was the leap and, and your wife was ready to go to, she was ready for that change. And that's awesome. Um, now, some folks are probably thinking, so that's great. But what is this one thing, Jerry, that that made Jeff give up everything and, you know, give up the golden handcuffs and and make well, it a reality so for th- everybody? Th- this is where, you know, full disclosure, it's not like I walked away from a secure job to nothing. Um, there's being an employee, there's being an entrepreneur, and then there's called what's being an intrapreneur. I got to operate as an entrepreneur inside a company. So I still had a salary. I still had benefits. Um, I honestly, I don't know if I would have made the leap had I not had those things at that stage in my life. But I was fortunate that I was able to structure something that way. Now, make no mistake about it. It was still a material step back financially. And, and it, I mean, we're almost six years in to building this company. It wasn't until about 18 months ago that my income met and exceeded where I was in medical device sales. So we're talking four plus years of taking a step back to take many steps forward. And that's one of the things I learned from Gary is people who are true empire builders, when you look at their track record, they're willing to take a step back to take exponential steps forward. Yeah. Yeah. I was just getting ready to follow that up with, uh, so when you were doing medical device sales, you weren't getting that sense of fulfillment, but here you are taking a pay cut, a material step backwards. What was your sense of fulfillment during that, that empire? I live building? my purpose every day. There you go. Period. Yeah. I mean, I, I literally live my dream every day. For years, I would sit in the seminars and see the people on stage and be like, gosh, I wish I could be that person someday. I wanted to, to be able to share ideas that could change what people think is possible. Um, but I couldn't see the path on how to get there. That's my job now. My job is to cast a vision for the organization, which is awesome. I get paid to think. Second, to make it rain. I love to make it rain. I love driving growth. And third, to be an ambassador of the brand, to get on big stages, to get behind a mic, to to share the message, to change what people think is possible. I literally get paid to do my dream job every day. Now, when you compare that to your typical day when you were in medical sales, what was the big difference? (laughs) Like, how did you feel getting out of bed? It just, it, I enjoyed what I did but it kind of ate away at me. It's not like it brought me energy. It's not like it filled me up. It's like, I didn't want to drive to the next hospital. And in, in, in every year that the fiscal year turned over and we got our new quota and our new complaint, it wasn't like I was excited. And even though the device was saving lives, like it just, it didn't resonate. It wasn't there. Yeah. But this, this does. Yeah. That is huge. And, and here, here's, let's make it tactical for you who's listening to this. A mentor of mine, because I was surrounding myself with mentors. I knew medical was not it for me, but I didn't know what was. And the advice that I was given that I would give to you, if you are in a place where you know you're not in the right job or in the right career, is I started asking myself one question. How am I feeling right now? When I was doing, making a sales call, how am I feeling? When I was driving to the next hospital, how am I feeling? When I was doing the proposal, how am I feeling? When I was dealing with the client emergency, how am I feeling? And I began to notice the things that I did that would energize me and the things that I would do that would drain me. And what's interesting is there were two things over and over. There were three things over and over and over again that showed up that brought me energy. One, 
when I got to be creative and think of new ways to tackle problems, vision. Two, the hunt of the deal. I love closing the deal. And three, I loved presenting. I loved getting in front of a room of doctors or nurses and presenting. I loved presenting at our national sales meetings. Oh, now I'm a professional speaker. So vision, growth, ambassador. Like it's, it's in my track record. I can literally go back to high school and tell you the jobs that I did. And it'll be like, yeah, no kidding. You're, you should be doing what you're doing right now. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use Capshow to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content, like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into Capshow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. Capshow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we were able to share that comparison. You know, like, yeah, you were good. You love that job, but it, it just wasn't the thing. Is it bringing yeah. you a lot? I, I just yeah. wrapped up an interview with Susie Batiste who started Poopery mm-hmm. and oh, her yeah. whole career. She's been paying attention to what brings me alive and what does not. Oh, wow. That's literally been it. Love that. Love that. Um, so going to the, the one thing, you know, for the audience, uh, for the, you know, for those who are tuning in right now, um, yeah, I mentioned earlier that, you know, to me, it's like the Pareto principle on steroids. And I think the references in there. Um, what are some practical ways folks can start going through the same exercise that sure. kind of like that experience you had, but you know, accelerate it for themselves? Well, first we have to fly to 10,000 feet. Yeah. We're talking about time. It is our most valuable resource. And for you who's listening to it, you likely have a problem. Your problem is you're spending your time. You are not investing it. Jerry, you ever invested money before? Yeah. When you invested money, what did you expect? Oh, man. Um, I expected it to grow. I think you expected yeah. a return yeah. on your investment in ROI. Yeah. What's more valuable time or money? Uh, well time. Yeah. Go, always going to make, go make more yeah. money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. How many people do you think hold their time to the same standard they hold their dollars to? Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> not until they meet us. Yeah. Is the answer. Yes. Uh, and, here, and, and, and here's evidence of it. One, you hear people say, oh, I spent my time doing this, or I'm so glad we got to spend time together, or I've got 15 minutes to kill. Mm-hmm. <sighs> what awful statements. Um, people wake up in the morning, and after they play the snooze game, they, f- they finally get to the office, whether it's at home or work. They fire up their computer, and what do they check? Uh, email. Until they go to their first meeting, get out of their first meeting, five, they have five minutes, so they check. More email. Email or social yeah. media. Yeah. And then somebody swings by and asks, hey, you got a minute? And because they're a team player, they say, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Sure. Come on in. And they fast forward to the end of the day, knowing they were busy, but deep down questioning, what did I actually get done? Yeah. That is a result of you spending your time. And by the way, it is not your fault. There is zero judgment. In fact, there's tons of empathy because <laughs> I you that, that was me. Um, and you have to recognize that 
is no longer acceptable. We have to realize that our time is our most valuable resource. And our job is to change the way you view it. So you wake up, you see it as the most valuable resource, and you invest it by doing the things that matter most, making sure that your calendar reflects the most important things and not just a bunch of meetings or random to-dos so that at a pre-prescribed time, you can actually shut down the work and go and live a life. That is what the one thing is all about. That is huge. Not spending time, um, but investing it. And, you know, even if you just want to stay in your job, your day job, you know, what a difference would you make if you're investing the time you're being paid for, as opposed to just spinning wheels and doing busy work and having meetings? Well, ready here, I'm going to ask you this question. Jerry, what would be possible if every day for you, you had clarity on your one thing, the most important thing, and you did it? Oh, man. I would feel like I won the day. And what would happen if you had that clarity every day moving forward? What would be possible? Oh, man. Uh, The momentum built would create something I can't even fathom right now. Mm -hmm. What uh, what else? Keep going. um, The impact on others you know, what they could do, you know, just pouring into them. And, um, gosh, yeah. I mean, just that clarity. I mean, you start to change the world. You start to make an impact that makes a difference, not just your own life, your family's lives, the, the, the people around you come into contact with you, you become somebody else's top five people in their circles. And yeah. And you said you'd change the world and that's not hyperbole. And that's not an understatement, literally anything and everything is possible. Mm-hmm. You have clarity on what matters most and you do what matters most every single day. Yeah. Now hold that vision up against the current reality that you're in today and just feel the gap. And there's no judgment, but understand that is the opportunity. That is your opportunity to stop spending your time by reacting to whatever is at the top of your inbox, whatever notification you got on your cell phone or whatever email or whatever meeting is next. And to actually get clarity of all the things that I could do today. If I could only do one, not that I'm only going to do one, but if I could only do one, what is the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else would be easier or unnecessary. And put that on your calendar and protect that time like the air you breathe. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and what you just said though, protect that time. That is huge. Cause I've seen folks, I time block and I've even seen it in myself, you know, like, yeah, I block X number of minutes per day to do a specific thing. And the Doesn't moment you stick to it. Yeah, exactly. Somebody else comes along and says, Hey, I need a meeting. I need you in it. Okay. And then off I go. And it's like, the, the right thing to do is to say, hey, no, uh, that is my time with my family or that is my time in prayer or my time reading and growing myself or my time for lunch to take a break. Um, but yeah, protecting that time. Of course, we're talking about clarity, that one thing. Yeah. Um, and if we're giving that up so easily, then. Here, here's yeah. the deal. Um, you actually have the solution within you. Mm-hmm. How many kids do you have, Jerry? Two. Two. If you got a call right now, And it was your local police department that said, uh, Jerry, I'm sorry, there's been an accident. Your kids are in critical condition in the hospital right now. Would you and I still be talking? Uh, No, we would be hanging up right now. uh, Yeah, you'd be gone. Why? Because they matter to me. Because in that moment, you are so clear on what matters most that saying no actually becomes almost effortless. Yeah. 
the reason people struggle to say no is not because it's hard to say it's because step one, they're not actually clear what they should be saying yes to. Yeah. Hey, you got a minute? Yes. Versus if you knew I'm about to walk into this meeting with our most important client that this one meeting could actually drive our goal for the year more than anything else. And I'm about to walk in that room and I come up to you and say, Hey, you got a bit. You'd say, actually, I'm about to go in that meeting. Let's circle back in an hour. It would be so clear what you need to say yes to that saying no would be almost effortless. The reason people struggle to protect their time blocks is because they're not clear what they should be saying yes to. How do people get to that clarity? Like what are the things they can do to say, this is that one thing I need to focus on that one thing. This is, um, I'm going to say the answer simply because it's one simplicity is one of our core values. Please know this is not meant to be condescending at all. They have to think. And unfortunately, thinking is not something that people do a lot of mm-hmm. in their day. And here's what I mean. If we followed you around with a camera throughout your work days over the past month, how many minutes or hours would we see where you purposefully shut off your email put your phone on, do not disturb, silence the outside world and sat down with a pen and a piece of paper where you genuinely asked yourself a question and searched for the answer and really thought it through. The answer is we wouldn't see much of it. Mm. And if you're going, actually, I do that. Kudos to you. Way to go. You've got a head start on most people. But thinking time is one of the most important activities that we can be doing. It's why in the one thing when Gary and Jay talk about time blocking, they only suggest time blocking three things. One, time off. Because if you don't take time off, you're going to burn out. Two, have time blocked for your one thing every day. Some of us have a consistent one thing, like a salesperson sells, a writer writes. But some of us don't. And it might be whatever the highest priorities for the day, but you have a time on your calendar where you block and protect it to do whatever you deem to be most important. Mm -hmm. And third is a a planning time block. Time when you genuinely sit down and ask the question, what were my priorities this past week? How did I do? How do I feel about that? Yeah. Based on that, what do I need to do differently this next week? And when I look at all the things I could do next week, if I could only do one thing, what is the most important thing I can do next week? Should I earn the right to do a second? What would it be? Should I earn the right to do a third? What would it be? And you actually take your calendar out and make sure that time is blocked for the most important things. Most people have not been trained to do that. So they spend their time instead of investing it. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, yeah, that's where we circle back to that investment of time. Uh, there you go. You've got, time thinking you've and- got to get clarity. Yeah. And what I have learned on my own journey over the last almost six years is that the one thing is a journey of asking big questions and searching for big answers, which is tough for a lot of people because in our education system, we were taught to have the answer, not to ask questions and challenge the mm. our answers. Yeah. Yet, if you look at when you get into an organization, when you get into a career, um, most people, they get put in a situation they don't know what to do. So they go to their boss and ask their boss the question. The problem is their boss gives them the answer. And without realizing it, they train their people to not think for themselves. Yeah. They train their people to come and give their boss back a piece of their job. And no wonder leaders feel like they're shackled to their people's jobs. We just flip that on its head. Yeah. We believe an employee needs to own their job. And I mean, this happened to me. My first 90 days, Jay was very clear. His job for me as a leader was one thing, to teach me how to think. That is your job as a leader, to teach your people how to think 
so they can get what they need when they need it. And I walked into his office with a question and he looked at me and said, Jeff, I, I had mentioned to you that my job is to teach you how to think. I have an answer. And if I give it to you, I would not be teaching you how to think. So what I want you to do is tell me what you think the answer is, and then we can collaborate. And I gave him my answer. And he said, dude, that's exactly what I would have said. But Jerry, in that moment, he taught me. I can't ask him to do my thinking for me. I need to come in the room demonstrating I've already thought it through and his job yeah. is to play coach. Oh yeah. A few weeks later, I walked back into his office with a question. Jeff, my job as a leader is to teach you how to think. What do you think the answer is? I gave him the answer. Turns out I was like, like in bowling, I was heading for the gutters and he needed to play bumper <laughs> rails. And he was like, well, have you considered X, Y, and Z? Yeah. He asked questions to teach me how to get back on track. A few weeks later, walked in with a question. Jeff, my job is to teach you how to think. What do you think the answer is? Jerry, there hasn't been a fourth time because it only took me three times to realize that it is a standard that when I have a situation, I need to walk in and say, Jay, here's the situation. Here's what I think I should do. Coach me on that. If you could promote one person, the person who always says, Jerry, what do I do here? Jerry, what do I do here? Versus Jerry, here's the situation. Here's my plan on how I plan to execute against this. Coach me on that. What downsides am I missing? Yeah. Who are you going to promote? Oh, the one who comes with a solution, at least one solution, preferably a few to consider and, and all the details that they've thought through and, and the connections and the dots, because I'll need that context to say yes or no to whatever they've recommended. Yeah. The other one who just throws it back on me, I'm like, why do I pay you again? So... So back yeah. to your question, how do you get clarity? People think. need to recognize they've got to learn how to think for themselves. Yeah. Ask questions, search for the answers. It's like, it's like Mozart. It's easy to play, hard to master. And, but once Simple you do in it. in theory, yes. not easy in practice. Yes, especially at first. But I think once you do spend that time doing it, though, yeah. it becomes second nature. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like going to the gym. Nobody walked into the gym for the first time, grabbed a pair of hundred pound dumbbells and started curling it like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. They walked in and they grabbed a pair of three pound dumbbells and maybe they were gassed after, but over time they worked the muscle up. Asking questions is a muscle yeah. searching for answers. That means something by the way, because most people, they get asked a big question and they go, I don't know. Hmm. And they stop thinking. Yeah. You just need to realize that's your wall. That's your current ceiling of achievement. Your job is to search past that wall for an answer. I promise you'll come up with one if you give yourself the space. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And even, um, you know, going back to the original, you know, conversation that we had about, you know, why you left the job that you had and pursued this new one with productive and uh, the one thing, um, you know, why is it you don't feel like putting the time in to think about those solutions and, you know, like, why are you not motivated for that? And, and But you need the time to think about it, to know what that clarity is. Okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. Well played, sir. Uh, man. Now, one of the things that also came up was, you know, somebody might be stuck in a rut because I mean, like you got the job and it was the dream job, but you know, a year or two later, you just still feel stuck in it. Um, yeah. How important it is, is it to keep moving the goalposts? Uh, yeah. You know, so. so this is, this is a concept that I heard from Morgan Housel who wrote a book called the psychology of money. Mm -hmm. He interviewed lots of multimillionaires and billionaires and he asked them all the same question. At what point did you realize you were wealthy? And to his surprise, they all gave the same answer. I'm not wealthy. Mm. <laughs> Which for, for you're, the like, wait, what? you're like, mm, 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 what? <laughs> and what he realized is in our society, 
um, we attach our sense of fulfillment to a result in the future. And the moment we achieve that result, it's not as fulfilling as we actually, there's actually studies that show the actual attainment or achievement of a result is not as valuable as the journey to get there. Mm. So the moment we achieve the result, we just move the goalpost. Okay, well, I'm out of debt. Well, now I want a hundred grand in my bank. Well, I got a hundred grand. Now I want to be a millionaire. Well, now I'm a millionaire. Now I want to be a, a decamillionaire. Well, now I'm a decamillionaire. Now I want to be at a hundred, a hundred million. Like that's just in terms of money numbers. Yeah. The mistake is moving the goalpost when your satisfaction and happiness is tied to it. Mm. We have to have a conversation about what the purpose of a goal is. And I remember Gary asked this in front of a, a mastermind room and a lot of people shared ideas that summed up to, to achieve a result. And he said, you know, I used to think the same thing, but I discovered that's actually not the truth. It's actually not about the result. The purpose of a goal is to be appropriate in the moment. What we mean by this is that your goal should be a compass to help you identify who you need to become. It's about who you need to become, not what you've achieved. So great, think big in terms of your goals and your vision, but it's not about the result. It's about who do I have to become to do that? Hmm. And if you make your satisfaction and happiness tied to being the best version of yourself, now we're having a very different conversation. To yeah. directly come back to your question, they project this idea, I'll be happy when I get that job. I'll be happy when I earn that much money. I'll be happy when I don't have to travel as much. I'll be happy if I don't have to go back to the office full time, but then it happens mm -hmm. and they're still not happy. So they move the goalpost in search of happiness that had nothing to do with the result to begin with. What they needed to do instead of going outward was go inward and identify who can I become? What is my purpose? What are my core values and how do I live them in a way that it brings me to life? on a daily basis versus sucking it out of me. Yeah. It sounds like we just, again, came full circle back to the importance of investing time and thinking to get that clarity. And it, you know, like these goals are, they're just goals. Like the underlying yeah. thing is the why, who am I going to become? Who am I becoming? Yeah. Why do I exist? Why, why is my life going to be meaningful or not? I'll make this real tactical. There, there's a book called The Happiness Hypothesis. Mm -hmm. And in it, the author Jonathan Haidt writes about the rider and the elephant. And all of us can imagine, you know, an elephant in Asia. My father-in-law actually lives in Thailand. Like you can go and you can see the elephants and, you know, there's kids who can, you can ride them. And imagine that all of a sudden you were sitting on top of a two-ton elephant. And all of a sudden you realize you've got a stick in your hand and you tap the elephant on the top of the head and it starts to march forward. Who's in control? You come up to a, a, a crossing in the roads. You can go left, you can go right. You tap the elephant's right ear, the elephant goes right. Who's in charge? You come up to the next crossing, you look left, you look right, you tap the elephant's right ear, but this time it decides to go left. Hmm. There's nothing you can do about it. Who's actually in charge? This is a metaphor for our lives. Every single one of us has a rider and an elephant. Our rider is our logical mind. It's the goals we set. It's the things we say we're going to do. It's our logical thinking. Yet our elephant, it's our heart. It's purpose. It's our core values, 
Remember when I asked you earlier, have you ever had a time in your life where your mind was pulling you in one direction, but your heart was taking you in another? Our, our mind is always telling us, oh, I want to go here. But the elephant has always been there and it's always pulling us in a direction. Just haven't been aware of it. So one of the things that we have done as an organization to help people identify what are those things that ultimately pull them every day comes down to their values. So we, did, we started to research values. What does it mean to have core values? And what we did is we curated over 140 different core values and actually created this deck, which I'm holding up on camera. Oh, yeah. If you go to Amazon and just type in the one thing core values deck, you'll see this. And all it is, is it's a deck of cards and each card has a core value on it. Like I'm holding one up that says peace. And what you do is you take the deck of cards and you just start sifting them into piles. Does this value resonate with me? Yes or no. And you go from 140 values, maybe down to hundred. And then you discard, you put the no pile to the side, you take the hundred that were in the yes and you do it again. Does this really resonate with me? Yes or no. And you narrow it down to three, your top three core values. Now the mistake people make is they choose values that are aspirational values. They want to be your values. That's not what this is. You're identifying what your values are because they are showing up in your everyday behavior. Like a lot of people feel like family should be one of their core values. Yeah. But the truth is like, and some people it is, but for many people, it's actually not one of the top three. Mm. Like I know for me, growth, recognition, and impact are my top three. If I am growing, if I am in positions where I, I am getting recognition, and for me, that's not kudos out of boys, it's, um, it's seeing my efforts deliver results is, is recognition. And third is impact. Like Jerry, even watching you right now, when you're speechless, those moments, that's when I know I'm making impact. Yeah. If I'm doing those three things, I am truly energized, which then allows me to be the best husband, to be the best father. You can then take this information and go a whole lot of places. How is my current job in alignment with my core values and how does it conflict? How does my marriage line up with my core values and how does it conflict? For my wife to know what my values are and for me to know what hers were, like independence is one of my top five. And the other night she was telling me what to do, like put your clothes here, here. And I said, honey, <laughs> you are literally violating one of my core values of independence. And she said, well, you're violating my number one core value of order by leaving your stuff everywhere. And I went... <laughs> Oh my gosh. But the moment she said that, Jerry was like, you're so right. Yeah. I am so sorry. Knowing what each other's values are allows us to understand how we can actually support a person and be in alignment with their values versus in conflict with them. Yeah. This is a game changer for people. Yeah. And that transparency too, because like if you hold it in, I don't know, you know, that it's useless too, but being able to share that this is where I'm coming from. This is what I value. And then the other person's like, oh yeah, this is. I, I can totally help out with that. Right. You know, that. Yeah. And if you're a leader of a team, knowing this is massively important for your people. I have an org chart where it's the title, the person's name, and their top three core values. It's on the org chart oh. because knowing that my executive assistant's number one core value is um, competence shifts my conversations with her about, hey, I want to have a development conversation so you can feel even more competent doing X, like all ears from mm -hmm. her or, hey, I can sense you're really frustrated right now. And I'm wondering if you feel 
because you, you might be feeling like you're not competent doing that. Oh my gosh, wow. that's totally it. Yeah. Knowing that my VP's number one core value is collaboration. He's never going to be the guy to walk out into the office and tell people this is what we're doing. He's going to want to pull them into a room and collaborate with them, which as his leader, I now say, so I know we need to tackle this. What are some of the questions you can ask the team so that you get the highest level of collaboration from them? <laughs> totally changes things. Yeah. Wow. Nice. I know I got to buy a deck when I get off this call. So again, right. you're always going to hear me. We, <laughs> we, we say something and then I'm going to tie it back and bring it to the 20%. Yeah. If you are feeling lost, if you know your current situation is not ideal, but you're not sure what is, instead of looking outward, you have to start by looking in. You have an elephant that is actually in charge and is pulling you in a direction. And until you can get clarity on what it is, it's really tough to know if the decisions that you're making are in alignment or in conflict. So a simple thing you can do is to identify what your top three core values are, because then you can start going on a journey of figuring out just awareness. Where am I, am I in alignment with my values and where am I not? It becomes a compass for every decision you make. And by the way, like I said earlier, I get to live my purpose every day. This is it. Sharing ideas that change what people think is possible. Like those moments when I can say something and like to see you just like to know it's hitting. Not only is it hitting my, my, my purpose, I'm growing as a communicator. I feel the recognition and I see the impact. So my top three core values are getting like ring the bell, baby. Uh, for folks listening in on us, um, I know they can go out there and, and uh, they can get a copy of The One Thing. If So if you haven't read The One Thing, go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Apple Books and get, get yourself a copy. Um, if you want to really hone in on what are your three core values, get that card deck as well and start applying it. Um, now, besides those two resources, there's also your website or the website, the, the one thing, the number one, the yeah. number one thing.com. Uh, and I'll have that in the show notes. Uh, but Great. where else can people reach out and plug into more resources? Yeah. So th the best place for resources is the one thing.com. And like Jerry said, that's with the number one in the URL, the book, the podcast is all spelled out the O N E T H I N G, but on the website that you can see explore where you'll learn about the podcast, the blog, um, uh, there's a tab for grow yourself where you can learn about the online trainings we have. Um, if you have a significant other, one of the best things we do is a couple's goal setting retreat. So if you go under the events, you'll see events under grow yourself, hands down. One of the best things we do, um, spoiler alert. If you're listening to this, then your significant other is probably not a goal setter, <laughs> which is normal. Um, and this is designed specifically for people like you. It's one of the best things we do. And then under grow your business, you can learn about how we actually work with companies to help people at an organizational level to get clarity in their core values at an organizational level, how to identify what the one thing for the company is and what the priorities are. And if you're saying I can't have one thing for organization, we do this with fortune 500 companies. Mm. Yes, you can. You just don't have the clarity yet. And all the way down to how as a leader and a direct report, how you make sure that as a leader, you stop telling your people what to do and how your direct reports can come to you on a weekly basis and say, boss, in order for me to own my piece of the business plan, these are my annual goals. And in order for that to happen, here's what I got to have done by the end of the month. In order for that to happen, here's the three to five, 20% priorities that if I just knock this down, everything else is everything else. And here's what my calendar looks like to make sure that I'm actually investing my time instead of spending it. 
Bam. That's what we do. Man. There you go, guys. You got to go to that website. Check it out. If you're a leader in an organization, you also need to go check that out. Um, <laughs> I need to go revisit this because, I mean, I, I think I mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned it in the recording, but at least when we first started talking, that where I used to work, we used the one thing in our mentorship yeah. program and we supplied our mentors and trained them to use this in their conversations with their mentees so that they could focus on their one thing to apply in their growth in their careers. And we saw some of those guys get promoted during the year. So got it. There's um, one of the companies that I work with. Um, it's in the steel industry. I'm working directly with the chairman of the board. He's over 40,000 people. And he said, this is the single most powerful tool I have ever discovered in 30 mm. plus years of business. It's because it's simple. Yeah. And it actually generates extraordinary results. Yeah. Oh yeah. Huge. Um, now before we sign off, are there any final words of wisdom you want to pass on to folks or? Yeah. Um, the path to getting everything you want starts by getting one thing at a time. And this means you should think big in terms of your vision, your aspirations, but the mistake would be to act big. Mm. And what that really means for you here is you heard a lot of things today. The mistake would be to tell yourself that you have to implement all of it. The opportunity is actually to think big, but go small and trust the dominoes will fall. Just like when we were kids and we lined dominoes up, you did not knock each one down individually. You just tapped one and everything else became easier or unnecessary. So based on everything you've heard here today, what's the one thing you can do such that by doing it, everything else would be easier or unnecessary. Identify that one thing and knock it down and you will make sure that you invested your time instead of spending it. Boom. Jeff. Great to have you on the show. I owe Jim big time. Uh, everybody listening, you owe Jim big time. Uh, <laughs> awesome. It was great to have you on. My pleasure, Jerry. Thank you. So you heard from Jeff talking about you know, just identifying that one thing that could level up your life and put it on steroids, basically. And it just blew my mind. How many times did you hear me just go speechless in this episode? That's never really happened in the show. And that's, I mean, we're talking about 280 episodes. So you can check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 280. There you'll find links to Jeff Woods' show as well as theonething.com and see all those resources that are available. I'll also link in some other episodes that relate to the topics we covered today and so much more. Now, the best way you can pay this show back is to pay it forward. So hit that share button, however you're listening to us. And share us with a friend, a family member, a coworker, or that neighbor across the street, and let them know why that person should listen to this episode. Now, I'm glad you joined me this week, and I look forward to joining you again next week. But until then, go live life beyond the rut. Take care. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Cap Show team today and join me inside that community.